Welcome to the Heart of Dating Podcast. Hey, it's Kate. I'm so glad you could join us this week as we try to untangle the ever so ambiguous world of dating as a Christian. Over here on Heart of Dating, we get real as we answer some tough questions and uncover transformative ways to approach Christian dating. Oh, and you better believe we have some laughs along the way, because last time I checked, the struggle is hashtag real. You know what I'm saying? Now, let's get to the heart of the matter. Okay, friends, we are officially a few weeks into our LGBTQ plus and the church series, and I just want to say thank you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being open-minded. Thank you for starting to have challenging yet compassionate dialogues with those around you. I'm really thrilled to today dive into the conversation with Lori Krieg. Lori is our guest, and she is a wonderful gospel-preaching woman who is attracted to women and yet married to a man, Matt. She has what is known as a mixed-orientation marriage. And that may sound shocking to many of you, but I can't wait for you to hear what she shares about it. Her story is gorgeous, and I just think there's so much to learn from Lori and her rich wisdom and her love for God. And yet I also want to be clear here that Lori's story is not prescriptive. And in fact, she actually says that today during our interview. I believe you're going to learn so much from hearing Lori's story. And yet I also don't want you to assume in any way that our heart here at Heart of Dating is to say that God always and will change sexual desires. I believe that he can change sexual desires, but that's not a universal experience. That being said, last week we had Greg Coles on the show, and for Greg, as a gay man who wanted to live in accordance with a traditionally Christian view of marriage, he did try to date women, but eventually he felt it so clear that a mixed orientation marriage was not going to be an option for him. For Lori, God had a different plan, and you're going to hear about that plan today. However, also, you should know she is not attracted to all men, as she so explains. She is still attracted to women. And she is attracted to one man, her husband, Matt. It is so important here to note two different things when it comes to praying for things in our current life situations to change. First, when we become Christians, we are made new. We have been given a new self, as it says in Ephesians 4.24. When we are born again, we not only have a change in us, there's also a change of us entirely. And that's so profound and beautiful. But the second reality is that we have not received the fullness of salvation. And in fact, we only will when we are united with Christ. As such, in this reality, temptation continues, suffering continues, sin continues. We are in a way caught between these two distinct and very real realities. There are times when God so kindly gives us a taste of our future reality in the present through his radical healing. But even within that, God is still glorified in our perseverance of Him, even through the pain and affliction we encounter in our current lives. Profound healing or change in this life can and does happen, but it is not promised for us. And irregardless, we must learn to trust our good God, for He will always, always, always do right by us. All right, well, with that little lesson out of my system, I want to transition into this conversation with Lori as we talk about a mixed orientation marriage and what marriage really is. 
Lori Krieg is a speaker, author, and Whole in My Heart podcast host who speaks and trains extensively on the gospel, sexuality, and marriage, most often alongside her licensed therapist husband, Matt. Lori also serves on the board of the Center for Faith, Sexuality, and Gender, and is earning a master's degree from Wheaton Graduate School in Evangelism and Leadership. Matt and Lori published their first book, An Impossible Marriage, in October 2020, and live in Grand Rapids, Michigan with their three kids and a gigantic St. Bernadoodle puppy. Bingo. I love that because I have a Bernadoodle too. (laughs) All right, you guys, this conversation with Lori is beautiful. She clearly loves the Lord so much. And I feel like you could just, you hear it radiating out of every single word as she spoke today. So without further ado, my conversation with Lori Creek. Oh my goodness, Lori, welcome to the Heart of Dating podcast today, friend. Thank you so much. I'm so, so glad to be here. (laughs) I got to tell you, girl, I really have been so looking forward to this conversation. And honestly, I mean, I just have to out myself up front. I don't know if I've ever had so many notes for a podcast conversation (laughs) in my life. Like, I love taking the notes, but I have so many. When I sent them over to you, I was like, she's going to think I'm nuts. (laughs) I loved it. I love a good prep and I understand this conversation. You got, I'm glad you're prepared. You're not. You know, sometimes I look through my notes yesterday. I'm like, Kate, you either are overprepared, in which case you will have no idea what you're saying, or you're just the right (laughs) amount of prepared. So yeah, hopefully it's the latter, not the former, but Hey girl, I'm just so excited to have you here and to give you an opportunity to share your story with our heart of dating community, a community of Christian singles. I'm just so excited for them to hear about what you have to say today. But before we kind of dive into your story, uh, which is so unique and dynamic, would you just share a bit about what you do? And I mean, I know you're a podcaster as well, so I would love for people to connect with you there. So share a little bit about that. Yeah. So that podcast is Hole in My Heart. And our purpose is to talk about how the gospel is good news for everyone every day. And when we say everyone, we mean everyone. And so we're really trying to take tough conversations, including um, LGBT, uh, you know, racial equity, uh, and mostly, mostly we talk about sexuality, gender, and how that relates to the gospel. And we're trying to do it in a way of, of grace and truth. Um, and we take, uh, what we're teaching there and we are bringing it to churches as well. So we do a lot of trainings around the country. Um, and then I do coaching. It's really fun. You're doing coaching, (laughs) dating coaching. And I do, I do, how do we, um, really love others well, uh, and fall in love with Jesus sort of coaching, which is really fun. Ooh. And I'm an author, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Oh, we got to throw that in. Well, yeah. Tell yeah. us about the book too. Cause a lot of questions I wrote out for the conversation today also came through inspiration from your books, your latest book. So talk about that for just a second. Yeah. Thank you. Um, our book is called, and I say our, it's my husband and I, our book, Matt, and my book called Impossible Marriage. 
And the subtitle is what our mixed orientation marriage has taught us about love and the gospel. And so why impossible if we start there? Well, you know, you hear the word mixed orientation marriage, which, all right, let's go there, actually. What's that mean? Yep, is that it was means... one of my first questions. I was like, right? what's out that? What does that mean? <laughs> yeah. So I didn't, when I was getting married, I didn't know my marriage had a type. Um, I just, I knew my default sexual attractions or, and I'll put another way, when I struggle with lust, it's toward women. So I, I knew that about myself. Matt knew that too. But the question for me wasn't who, when you struggle with lust, is it toward what gender? The question was, am I called to marriage? Mm, wow. And then we got to ask, what is marriage? Which we can go there. And then God didn't have, you know, I believe uh, that marriage is between a man and a woman. And so God didn't have my heart connect to all men. That would be weird. <laughs> he had my heart yes. connect to one man, Matt. Now I'll just pause real quick. People, there are many people who wrestle like I do um, with attraction to the same sex. My story is not prescriptive. God does not call everyone to marriage. Singleness is equally valuable. I Thank love you. singleness. Hallelujah. <laughs> Talking to the single woman over here. Appreciate yeah, that. <laughs> I, equally valuable. You don't level up or whatever. I don't even like saying those things. And you get married, it's equally valuable. So if you wrestle like I do, the question is not, okay, well, if you're attracted to that person, you have to marry them. It's, has God called you to marriage? If you're straight or not, what has God called you to? And then why? It's, What's the mode God wants you to do the mission to make disciples? That's the purpose of our life, dear friends. And so God called me, not everyone like me, to marriage, to one man, Matt. And our story, you know, a lot of people, they hear that and they they cock their head like a puppy learning a new command. <laughs> like, wait, I'm, you know, okay, I hear you, Lori, marriage, blah, blah, make disciples, got it. But wait, what is the, what the heck, you know? <laughs> yeah. Your default attractions are not toward the gender of your spouse. So that's what mixed orientation marriage is. And our book really unpacks, we look at that question that people either ask overtly or um, covertly. And we say, yeah, we get that it's impossible. Let me, let us, let's look deeper, not only into our marriage, but through the lens of our marriage, let's look at what is the purpose of marriage? And that's the story we unfold. Yeah. I love, I mean, I love that you kind of open the book with asking that question because I think even just as singles, we, and within the church itself, we idolize this concept of marriage. And then we'll get into also how we idolize sex as a part of that too. And that's a big thing we'll talk, uh, talk about today, but, uh, you know, and that the, the reality is that we, we don't really even know what the purpose of marriage is. And we're so just like, Oh, can we, I want to get married. I got to get married. Like I need my MRS degree in college. I got it. I'm 25. Oh my gosh. Now I'm 30 and my, my ovaries are getting older. And like, we, we kind of were like, <laughs> I need to get it. I need it to happen. And I don't blame certain individuals for wanting the marriage desire. And also because there's a lot of pressure from the church and from family and from external circumstances, like get married, you need to get married. But because of all these pressures and how much we put it on a pedestal, we are more and more taken away from what the 
actual point of marriage is. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Yeah. And so anyway, man, we're, I'm sure we'll unfold a lot of that in our conversation today, but I'm just so grateful to see God working through your life in such a way to use your story, your Matt story, to really encourage people in this area that is often very polarizing and difficult when we talk about the LGBTQ, uh, you know, situation and issues, especially when it comes to Christians. And so I love how you just define what's a mixed orientation marriage. I mean, to be honest, girl, here's just me again, outing myself for a second time already. Like I didn't even know that that many, that people really, that was, that they felt called to do that uh, before yeah. I started entering more into these conversations and researching for myself about a year or two ago. I was like, really? People are doing that? This is, that's yeah. amazing. I need to know more about this. Like, I'm just honest to goodness truth. And I want to bring this up to kind of start some of the dialogue here. A lot of you, you guys say this in one of the first chapters of your book, but you, you mentioned that how when people immediately find out that you are attracted to women yet married to a man, people assume that it's Matt who makes the marriage work because he keeps it together through you guys having sex. But you, you guys say that just because Matt is attracted to women doesn't mean your marriage is whole. And just because you're attracted to women as well doesn't mean your marriage is broken. <laughs> So yeah. that's like a huge debunk thing we need to to say up front. And I want to kind of dive into why I think that uh, so often we kind of we trade abstinence um, as this idol for then once we, you know, get married, then all of a sudden we can have sex. It's like this big commodity. Sex is the need. Like we need it. And especially the man needs it. Would you be able to kind of open up and bring us into how this has worked out? How have, have you guys outworked some of your fantasies and desires? I know Matt also shares about that in the book as well, but I think it would be so interesting to kind of start there. I think that's probably the hottest thing people are thinking like, wait a second, how does that work? You know? Yeah. Well, our book starts, like you said, with me asking the question, really, I, I was asking, should I stay in my marriage? Uh, because seven years in, I had hit a wall where a suppressed memory of childhood sexual assault, which is not causation of my attractions, gonna just say that, it's just a part of my story. A lot of people have a soul in their story. And, but it resurfaced when one of my kids turned the age that I was when it happened. So this is repressed, it surfaces. And Matt and I, um, although he wasn't my perpetrator, Something about his maleness reminded me of my perpetrator and it magnetized to my sexual uh, orientation toward my default attractions that I'd been surrendering to Jesus, but I was Matt attracted. We were best friends. We were buddies. We had this, you know, this heart connection that would lead to a physical connection, which I'm not abnormal in saying that. I mean, the straightest friends I have say that in yes, marriage, yeah. you know, it's <laughs> a heart that can lead to the physical. And that was true also for me with Matt. But then this repressed memory comes up, magnetizes to these attractions. And all of a sudden I start looking sideways at Matt asking, why am I here? Because the world, like you just wisely said, says, Lori, your attractions define you and give you a get out of marriage free card. The world's screaming that at me. 
every day. And back then when I felt this, all of a sudden this, like, you know, I knew he wasn't my perpetrator and that's amazing. Like literally like the, he's amazing. The most tender, he's a therapist, like so kind. <laughs> Actually it would have been easier if he was me, but he was so nice <laughs> and gentle and understanding and like understood trauma also. It was like oh, trauma right. Therapist, like, love it. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, yes. So let me more, yeah, let I me get into it. that a little bit more. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, what? Okay. Yeah. I'm like, no. And, and so I just, I started asking that question, why am I in this marriage? And I started asking, I went on a silent retreat and I literally guys made a pro con list mm. of reasons <laughs> to leave my marriage. Yeah. Should I stay or should I go? Yeah. And one that was so enticing, like you're alluding to was this attraction piece. Was that, all right, then maybe I could finally find someone who would feel the same way about me and it wouldn't be, you know, there wouldn't be this challenge. I wouldn't have to work through this heart stuff to lead to the physical. But let me pause the story a second and and I'm going to actually just fast forward a second is, you know, God arrested me in that uh, moment. You can read about it. You can actually read it for free on our site, that first chapter. Um, And you'll see how God arrested my heart. But I ended up recommitting to our marriage, not because Matt's so amazing, but because I love God, dang it. And that's (laughs) even how I said it. I love it. I love it. I'm so, Matt said to me when I came back from that silent retreat, he goes, Lori, I know in a battle between uh, a woman and me, a woman in that time, guys, would win. But he said, in a battle between God and a woman, I know God's going to win. And I was like, wow, Matt, that's really humble and great. <laughs> and you're right. <laughs> Again, I told you he's amazing. Okay. So guys, dang it. <laughs> dang it. I love Jesus. Um, but I will tell you that that's chapter one. So the rest of the book is a story seeing Matt's perspective and mine really asking and answering that question. What is the purpose of marriage because I went from that conversation with Matt to confession to God and Matt, but then I started peppering my friends in a pretty irritating way about why are you married? Why do you have sex? And you guys, my mind was blown that the sentences that my super, super straight as the day is long friend said in their marriages were the same sentences I said which was, well, I have sex, so he gives me his heart. I give him my body, he gives me his heart. Mm, Wow. What? Yep. It's another transaction. (laughs) Yeah. Like literally, so that's God's design for marriage that we're all going to battle for is this transactional garbage of your body that you're basically selling for your heart, his heart. Yeah. Oh God. It irks me to even hear it. And that's, I know what happens. It's like, oh. It is. It is. And there's like all these jokes, you know, so like, this is like marriage event 101. Not all of them. There's some really great ones out there. But it's like, oh, isn't it hilarious that hormones trick you into marriage, guffaw, and then you put a a ring on it and surprise, you hate having sex then. (laughs) (laughs) But God hates divorce and you're stuck in a covenant. So (laughs) sucks to be you. (laughs) It's just true. That's like... It's like so many conversations. Yeah. And and you guys even poke at it in the book too, where it's like, oh man, like 
just the man connect to her heart by cooking in the kitchen and doing all these things. And and then she'll want to sleep with you. Okay. So these are the recipes for success, everyone. (laughs) Just because again, that we're idolizing the way to connect to the man, the only, which also, I just have to put this out there. I think it flattens masculinity so much to really even say that the only way to connect with the man is through sex. I'm like, since when are men only sexual beings and women are not? And since when do they only connect through uh, sexual intimacy or physical intimacy? I just think that's so ridiculous. Like a man is more than just the sexual desire. (laughs) That's right. We're, We're telling, we're saying to men, you are an animal. Yes, exactly. You are basically a dog. And then when men act like dogs in other ways, they just keep riding it. I mean, you guys, we've been preaching that to men since they're little kids as well. Junior high boys, uh, you're going to want sex. Just don't do it until you're married. And then you're going to have perfect sex. And your wife is always going to be this hot little thing, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Right. Exactly. And it's like, it is so demeaning. It's It's, demeaning to women and men. Yeah. And then we can take, you guys touch on this too. And I was like, oh yeah, let's just finger snaps and claps all the way here. But this could also go into be twisted to be used in such a way in a biblical sense with, then you add the wives submit to your husband and that when people really add is like submit to them through having sex like and the guy's perspective can sometimes be but I am the man and you will do this for me because I am the man I mean it I am starting to sweat even just saying that out loud to you right now because of how triggering it feels yeah well it's it's not it's at a minimum lust in your marriage and at its worst it's rape and abuse and sex is meant to be a gift it's meant to be serving the other. It's meant to be reflective of Jesus' holistic covenant to us, mind, heart, body, spirit on the cross. And now, sure, you could now, I, I know I'm tiptoeing again. You know, we're talking about trauma and rape in a marriage. So I'm not pointing just at the woman that she looks like Christ, the husband. Love your wife as Christ loved the church, giving himself up for her, washing her in the word. So I just see that's the approach we're supposed to view sex. And covenant is not the old ball and chain and ha ha, you got snookered <laughs> yeah. here. Yeah. Covenant is the safety. It's all right, we're going to try this out. We're going to show each other how much Jesus holistically loves you. That's what sex is supposed to be, is to show us how our present and future reality of the one day oneness we will experience in eternity. It is not self-centered at all. Yeah, man. I'm like, oh. I love that. It's so good and so true. And we as singles listening right now, I'm so glad that we're talking about this because even just that in and of itself is like a lesson we need to learn. And it's really hard for us to learn it. Oftentimes, a lot of people in our community have been really fed purity culture teachings and just, okay, we put sex so much on a pedestal, you know, and, and I've been passionate about debunking that for a while because it's been so much of my story. But I also think in tandem with us putting sex as as single people on a pedestal, we also in the church overall put the conversation of sexuality, sexual desire on a pedestal in such a way that like it's bad 
to even think about it, go there, understand it. Just wait till you're married and then suddenly all the, the everything will be fine, right? And I right. think it we it does such a disservice. We need to understand these things going into it. Like we have to really yeah. understand the design and the importance of that before we even enter into marriage. Mm-hmm. So we talked about and what we're landing on now is that in many ways the church has taught and in culture also has taught that sex is ultimate. Like once you're married, I mean, culture says sex is ultimate whenever, not including marriage. And the church often <laughs> emphasizes that sex is ultimate inside of a marriage. So be abstinent, 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 then get married and yay, be all the sex kittens in the bedroom and everything will be wild and crazy and amazing for the rest of your life. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and I've heard so many percentages too and statistics on the fact that the actual percent of having sex in marriage is so, so, so minuscule and small compared to the vastness of your actual life and relationship with that person. (laughs) So, Mm -hmm. um, and you guys talk in your book too, that true intimacy and union in marriage is so much more. There's, you even mentioned that there are gardens that need to be cultivated (laughs) and, um, that we often look as the sex garden as yes, that's one of the gardens, but that it's like the, Oh, you make sure that that garden is always tended to but what did kind of you and Matt learn on this journey of how you, I think it's so fascinating because I think that helps your picture of how you guys function, I think is so beautiful and helpful and healthy. And that no matter if you're in a mixed orientation marriage or not, we can all learn from it. So I'd love to hear kind of how you guys outworked that. So uh, after recommitting to our marriage, after that silent retreat, like, all right, I'm in, I'm committed to God. And I start, uh, I pepper my friends with questions. And I'm also reading any theologically rich book I can on sex, on marriage and um, things that would not say, oh, but if you have this issue, you, you are a special corner shelf. I wanted to hear things that were theologically rich and practical for everyone. But at the same time, Matt and I could not in this season. And and I'll tell you what, guys, um, the trauma is really that suppressed childhood trauma was what really took the forefront. And you read that in our book, as far as um, that was, I, I was to a place where I was like, all right, I know how to surrender my sexual sexuality to Jesus. I know my heart is connected to Matt. It just feels like this uh, mold covered boulder is inside my chest called the memory. And I don't know how to remove it. And so for us to even approach sex with that in my heart, that would send me to a trigger spiral guys was really damaging to me. It wasn't, that's not fun for Matt. Like he, that's abusive. And so we, sex was off the table. It was off the table. And we really pushed restart on our whole marriage, physical, physically, generally speaking. And so I realized, man, how many times have I been mean to my inner self and and pushed myself faster and farther than I was actually ready to go with Matt or with anyone? 
And so I kind of did like a sexual assessment and an apology to myself of like, love that. Did I, did I want to hold that person's hand? Did I just choose that? And I just overrode my heart. I'm sorry, self. Like it sounds cheesy. It was really healing. Girl. Yes. (laughs) I I mean, I have done that to my inner child and my inner soul. Like, Hey, I'm sorry. I disrespected you there. I'm sorry to listen to you. This is powerful. (laughs) Yes. And, and in marriage guys, like, it's not like, Oh, well, everything goes in marriage. Does it? self-centered taking or sort overriding your heart. I'm not even saying there was sin with like frown face, bad, bad. What, but were there times even in our marriage that I overrode my heart and at least at a minimum was unkind to it? Can I apologize there? And so um, I, I did that to my soul and I was like, okay, Matt, we're going to restart. And we're starting with hand-holding. But it wasn't just only focusing, like you said, those gardens. We we really the gardens, uh, which you guys can read about those. That's chapter five. We those came out of us looking at each other and being like, okay, <laughs> we understand that sex is not just a physical release. Mm. We understand that it's this holistic, whole body connection. So what's the other whole parts? What other parts of our life are there um, that we could activate if, if God, you know, and really sex was off the table. It was like, it might be off the table forever. It's just maybe, maybe it's there. God, if you want this for us, how do you want us to engage this holistically in the future? You know, we did this past, I'm sorry to ourselves. And if there was anything to each other, now let's restart. So we looked at what are all the parts of life and are there times when Matt and I experience oneness outside of sex. Mm. I don't know about you, but anytime I hear that word oneness, especially from a pastor um, and talking about marriage, it's, it feels like, I'm not saying it's true, it's how it feels, <laughs> is the pastor's like, y'all need to work on your oneness, wink, wink. <laughs> <laughs> Husbands, wives, lots and lots of regular oneness, <laughs> right? You're like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> You know, like I'm I don't know. Is it just me that's hearing this? Did anyone else see the wink? No. Okay. So I'm again, I'm probably extra biased, but I, I every time I say it, there's usually people who relate. I, and and why I'm bringing that up is oneness is not a euphemism for sex. You can have a physical release of sex and it not be union in your own self, your own body. Again, that's why we do that soul check. Am I present? Am I here? And it's not present with your spouse and it's not activating other parts of our lives. These other gardens, like, is it activating the spiritual part of your life? Sex should be a wash in the Holy spirit. There. I said it. Wow. Why? (laughs) (laughs) And why? Because God created it. And he created not just, you know, we've heard that sentence, but he created it to show the your spouse a picture of his love for them, this present and future reality that he will marry us. Do I really get that? No, I don't actually understand that in all of its theological depth. But I have a sense of this longing we all have inside of us, this longing to be completed. And we know we can roll our eyes. Oh, yes, Jesus completes me. But also sex. (laughs) But also, you know, my perfect husband. But also brownies. But also, you know, a bajillion... 
followers. No, it's Jesus. You are the one. And he can use creation to show us how he meets us. But sex back there, when it was off the table, we started thinking, what are the elements of it? Okay, spiritual. Okay, there are, yes, there's physical. Yeah, there's like even this family aspect if God is calling you to have yeah, kids. Yeah. There's um, you know, social can be fun. Yes. <laughs> relating. Connection. So we, yes. Connection. And yeah. so we thought about all these different elements in sex and we said, well, sex is off the table. So let's push that aside and let's ask the question, where else do we experience oneness? That activates all those parts of our lives, the social, the family, yeah, the physical, but maybe it doesn't have to be, you know, all the way there. Um, and uh, the, you know, the social, the, I, the even stewardship, we talk about how like stewarding your gifts and your money. So we said, hmm, Matt, where is that? And I said, you know what I feel really unified with you, Matt, is when we go on a walk. He said, oh, that's one of my top ones too we feel really unified. Why? There's this social, we're usually laughing stewardship. It's usually like the price of a coffee, um, <laughs> a physical we're holding hands. Uh, there's usually laughing. There's spiritual. We're often talking intellectual that we can, we're talking at the sparring or like, yes. you know, talking about these, feel these, uh, therapy techniques that we're talking about. So <laughs> it was, so we were very, but it's, it's I'm a, all about know. it, girl. I wish, like, um, Lord, maybe will, he will set me up with a therapist one day. I would love it. I okay? pray it. <laughs> yeah. It's a gift. It's such a gift. Um, although I will say, there's times where I'm like, put your therapy hat on, and then I'm like, no, 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 take, take it, it off. off. Take no, it no, off. no, no, no. Don't, don't therapize me right now. Just yeah, listen. Yeah. Just cry on the couch yeah. with me. Don't analyze. Yeah. I don't want to know about right. my triggers right now. Okay. No, I don't. It's just I'm always right, and that's fine. Um, and so. But it was so helpful, you guys, for us to realize, okay, you know, we really didn't hold God hostage and say, you have to make it so that I'm healed of this trauma and we have to be able to have sex, which I think for Matt, that was like a bigger surrender of the sex, just because that is the physical piece mm. of sex, which that's how we, I hope we say it. Yeah. That sex is more than physical, but the physical piece from is a way that he connects more easily with me and I'm can more easily in a more conversational emotional, but surrendering that and then looking, let's just assess our lives. That's not the only way we're one. Where else are we one? And so that helped us uh, to really make connections that led eventually to being able to have sex but we still love all the ways we're able to experience oneness now i don't know about you but quarantine has made my attire extra basic over this last year which, let's be honest, there's nothing wrong with basic, but with things reopening, I am wanting to up my wardrobe standards as I go out into the world. How about you? Maybe like me, you're ready to get back outside, but your closet says otherwise. Well, we are all in luck because thanks to Stitch Fix, we can easily get some much needed style updates that will help redefine our Zoom casual looks. Stitch Fix offers clothing hand-selected by expert stylists for your unique style and budget. It's a completely different and fun way to find clothes that you will love to wear. 
Every piece is chosen for your fit and your life, and it's the easy solution to finding what makes you look and feel your best. You can try on pieces at home before you buy them, you can keep your favorites, and then you can send back the rest. Stitch Fix has free shipping, easy returns and exchanges, and even a prepaid return envelope is included in the shipment. And you guys, there's not even a subscription required. You can try Stitch Fix once, or you can set up automatic deliveries. You'll pay just a $20 styling fee for each box, which then gets credited towards every piece that you keep. And there are no hidden fees ever. Stitch Fix has styles and clothes to fit any occasion for women, men, and kids. They ship all over the U.S. and are available in the U.K. as well. Get started today at stitchfix.com heart and you'll get 25% off when you keep everything in your fix. That's stitchfix.com heart to get 25% off when you keep everything in your fix. Stitchfix.com slash heart. You guys revamp our wardrobe as we re-enter the world. You know, what's so beautiful about what you're saying right now, Lori, is that oftentimes we we've flattened again the identity of sex. And I love how you just like expanded it for us in such a beautiful way. And in all the readings and research I've done, even just in personally working through my own purity culture, like damaging shame and narratives of putting sex on a pedestal, I've realized that, man, me as a single person, I do have sexual desire and sexual desire is a good thing, but also that this is what sex and sexual desire is so much more than just what you're saying, which is the sexual act of having sex. And it is connection with others. It is me desiring friendship and connectedness and serving. Yes. And me oftentimes now when I try to talk about, you know, how do you outwork as a single person, your sexual desires when you're not having sex? I'm like, well, this is not impossible, you guys, because if we break down the identity of sex and what the fullness of what it is and what God actually has created it to be, it's so much more than just that physical sexual element. We can break it down to, hey, maybe when you're craving, when you feel sexually aroused, I wonder what need is underneath that outside of yes. just the physical sexual need that you have. I wonder if it's yeah. just, man, like I feel turned on right now. And first of all, don't shame yourself for that. That's fine. <laughs> but second mm -hmm. of all, what need is underneath that? Maybe I'm feeling that right now. And what I really want is to have closeness with the friend and I just mm -hmm. need somebody to listen to me or I need a hug. Oh my gosh. And I yeah. need to, to have somebody just make me feel seen, heard and loved, or maybe I need to be creative and start creating, you know, and so even as singles, I think it's so important in this dialogue for us to really understand that there are, it's the sexual, the sex conversation is so much more than just the action in the bedroom. And so I think when we talk about your marriage with Matt, that's, it, this is paramount to be able to understand it and <laughs> because it's like, well, there's so much more to it than just the physical action of having sex in the bedroom. <laughs> That's so right. You're mm. right on. And it needs to be, um, which is why we wrote the book. <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> we know we're weird, but is it, is it a good weird that helps us take a mirror to reflect back into the church to see if there's any elements that God has helped us to find mm. that could perhaps be a gift 
mm-hmm. uh, to the church that we need to learn for ever. Yeah. So I want to bring up something that we kind of touched on earlier, but didn't fully get into it. But the you brought up at some point in the book, I forget the exact chapter, but initial attractors in a relationship. And I want to read some stats that you brought up because I think this is so fascinating. So uh, you talk about initial attractors in a relationship in straight versus mixed orientation marriages. And so I'm going to read those really quickly. But straight marriages, the initial attractors are 73% personality, 58% love for God, and 48% physical appearance. And then for mixed orientation marriages, the initial tractors are 73% love for God, 57% love for others, 48% shared intangible heart connection, which I love that, <laughs> and 43% physical appearance. And, you know, many, I find myself like trying to encourage people, Hey, do not just go off of physical attraction. We live in a culture where everything is swipe, right? Swipe left. We disqualify people just based on initially looking at them and saying, Nope, they're not my type or Nope. I don't find them attractive enough. Right. We scale them instantly in our head, which is very flattening to people as well. But what I have found in challenging myself as a single person is that attraction is so much more multifaceted than just the initial physical attraction (laughs) that it is nuanced it is emotional it is spiritual it is personality and so and there is physical yeah that's a part of the attraction but the physical but attraction is not just physical so I would love to see and hear from you how that how you know the attraction piece worked with you and Matt, but not only, and, and then also the physical attraction piece as well. Yeah. Yep. So, uh, when I met Matt, I was mm-hmm. secretly dating a girl. Yes. So again, yes. remember when I said, <laughs> like, we're, whole, just my, we're just, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it was, but like the whole, my story, not being prescriptive, same, same, same still applies now. Okay. All right. So <laughs> as far as like, I don't recommend. And then I met this guy and then I married him. So, um, I could tell he was interested in me and, um, I was like, hold the phone. You have no idea what's going on behind the scenes. And there was a lot of turmoil uh, in this relationship with this girl. And I was really wrestling with my faith, with my sexuality. I had a sense this was not God's best. I just didn't, I didn't know how to work it out. I didn't know how to work it out practically. I don't know how we could even talk about it with anyone, but God was providing people for me. But again, back to Matt. So he makes it clear. He's like, interested in me. And, um, I said to him, well, here's how it went in my heart. It wasn't a hard and fast. No, there was something about Matt, not men, but Matt. And again, hopefully this next part is a little bit more universally, um, applicable to everyone. Uh, but it was more like this Holy spirit, intangible, huh? (laughs) Not a jump up and down. Yes. It was a Holy spirit. Huh? And then the more I, you know, we're just on this friend level, it was this personality. And one of the top things that drew me to him and it still draws me to him is I would say, or do something dumb and he wouldn't shame me for it. He would do something dumber. (laughs) And, And so he would take my jokes and he'd take them like 
10 feet further. And so it made me feel so uh, seen and safe. And if you read our book, we talk about core needs. It just was yes. tapping on those yes. core needs yes. of um, that really wasn't like, oh, and Matt is my knight in shining armor. It was, he was showing me Jesus. I didn't quite understand that, but it was also showing me his character. Uh, so that made me go, huh? And I'll tell you what, God can work with, huh? If he has <laughs> called you to marriage. <laughs> God, okay, that's just going to be the quote for the episode. God can work with Hall. <laughs> I love he it. Can. He can. That means your heart's open. Yes. And so yes. we we describe more of the nuance, like all the, um, the, the nitty gritty of how we got to walk down the aisle. It included you know, some messy, messy times, including a breakup, which was really good. If we had not had that breakup where God gutted me in my heart, I really think we wouldn't have lasted a year. Uh, cause I needed to understand, you know, those core needs aspect, the heart of it. I didn't understand the theology of marriage yet, to be honest, while I was walking down the aisle, I did not get exactly <laughs> the theology of marriage and sex. Like I got like, yeah, you covenant, like what the base, like what you're supposed to do. Yeah. I get this for life, but I did not. No divorce. Yet, okay. Got it. Yeah. Okay. Check, check. Um, I didn't understand why male, female marriage yet. Like I just knew that was God's design, but I didn't understand why exactly. Mm -hmm. I could argue against same sex marriage, but I couldn't argue for God's design for marriage, which I hope we have time to go there because it's really vital. Yes. Um, I want to talk about that next. (laughs) So, but to put a bow on the attraction piece is it was this intangible Holy Spirit heart connection, that personality piece where I saw Matt um, fostered space for me to be myself. And I fostered it back. And we're still doing that 12 years in. Mm, yeah. I I think this is so important for anyone to hear and know and learn. And I'm so glad we're talking about it. Because again, your marriage, as unique as it is, is such a beautiful example for so many people, no matter where they land on sexual orientation. Like truly, <laughs> we need to learn from this. I was taking so many notes. I was like, man, I thought I was just reading about their story. But I'm personally learning how to be a better single in my dating relationships and approach people. <laughs> this is amazing. Yes. I love it. So you mentioned it just in your last response, but I want to get to also like, how did you, Lori, feel called to marriage with a man? Um, how how did that happen for you? Because I think that's like the bubbling question that so many people are wondering, like, if you did have these attractions, why didn't you go for a woman? Like what, you know, yeah. and then, or why didn't you just choose to remain celibate as some people choose to do? Why did you actually choose to marry Matt? So, um, we ended up starting dating, which our dating was not, uh, uh, what I might call stereotypical, um, like, you know, movie and go out to dinner and stare in each other's eyes, which I'm guessing that is not actually how, uh, stereotypical dating works now, but especially during COVID, but it more was so <laughs> I'm just thinking about side. it with COVID. Yeah. I'm just like, and <laughs> no, it's no. Like, yeah. <laughs> a bubble and a mask. Um, yeah, it, but it was so very side by side and like throwing out these like heart questions of like goals, but then just, uh, you know, how do you feel about puppies? Like you can learn a lot <laughs> about people, about how they feel about dogs and cats and animals and, um, but there's this heart, this side by side. And we just saw God starting to weave something bigger than us 
And someone said to me, you know, marriage is not one plus one equals two. It's one plus one equals three. Is God weaving something? And so I started asking that question and I, I found a year into dating that I didn't necessarily want to get married if marriage meant stereotypical, again, I'm stereotyping, which is my stereotypes, but it's like, you know, doting wife, take charge husband. But I wanted to marry Matt. Hmm. I wanted to do life with him. Yeah. And then I asked the Lord and he said, no. And so we broke up and um, it was just like that too. I was like, I'm sorry. God says no. <laughs> Again, like, remember the what? whole devotion to Jesus yeah. thing? It's obnoxious at times, I'm sure, but good in others. But I just was like, I don't know why. And it was so strange. But as soon as we broke up, it was like God pushed pause on our relationship. I thought it was a hard stop. He pushed pause and God put the finger on my heart because every minute of every day, I thought a woman was what I needed, like needed. It was like, I was like, I don't know what the dude was, but this is what I'm feeling inside. And then, um, I was a newspaper reporter. I graduated from college at that time. And I was just like, I was like, I either dive into this or I kill myself. I was, I was to that point. Um, because I thought to be a Christian meant you had to be straight. Hmm. And so I was like, I don't know wow. how to do that. Yeah. That I don't line know how to right do that. there. I thought to be a Christian meant you needed to be yeah. straight. Oh gosh. Yeah. yeah. That hurts my I, heart. <laughs> I really thought it. I didn't know anyone like me. There were no books. There was no Preston Sprinkle talking about this. There's no <laughs> Wesley Hill. There was no Greg Coles. There's none of that. Yay. And so I started seeing therapist for the depression because a friend was like, you probably shouldn't be depressed. You probably shouldn't want to kill yourself. And this therapist was less of a therapist and more like a Jedi master slash Gandalf Dumbledore character with Jesus in that she taught me to feel the needs of my heart. And she said, Lori, when you are envisioning a woman, even the ideal perfect woman, what are you wanting? I was like, that's weird. I'm not going to tell you that because you're like 60 and that sounds awkward. <laughs> but then I started talking and guys, the words that started tumbling out of my mouth were not sexual in nature. They were heart words. I want to be seen and known and loved and belong. And she looked me in the eyes because I would always have them toward the ground because that's what shame does. And she caught my eye and that's a good shame remover. And she said, Lori, those are good things. You're just running to the wrong place. Now, the right place was not to a dude. That would have been idolatry too. And I said, well, don't say Jesus because I know Jesus. I'm like a super Christian, which is also pride, but (laughs) that's another conversation. But (laughs) she said, well, you know, the answer is Jesus. (laughs) But I didn't understand that I could even feel like I knew Jesus in the deepest places of my heart and not really know Jesus in the deepest places of my heart. I had a lot of barriers between those good needs to be seen, known, and loved and the need meter of my soul, guys. And she came alongside me, not with some weirdo therapy. She came alongside me with good old-fashioned spiritual disciplines. The primary one for me was was lament and listening prayer. And she taught me to take my pain to Jesus. And she taught me that he can meet you in it. And he won't change it in the sense like, oh, it never happened. Right. It's yep. like his presence was enough. And that helped me to do some forgiveness work. And I got joyful 
I got joyful and I fell in love, not with men, but with Jesus. And I didn't know if I'd ever get married. I was surrendering to him daily. And I was like, shoot, I'll go be a professor on one of the coasts, you know, and (laughs) single and happy and married to Jesus. And I sensed God's hand on my shoulder saying, I have someone for you. And I said, nope, (laughs) no, like I know your deal for no, (laughs) no, hard pass. But you can't give your life to Jesus and just give part of your life to Jesus. I mean, you can, he'll let us, but I really loved him. And I was like, okay, Lord. And it wasn't like, oh, like he didn't drag me. My heart was there and he knew it was. And I said, okay, God, but you're going to have to pick him. And then it was like, is it the barista? Is it you? Is it the grocery bagger? I don't know. And I was super stressed. And I was like, okay, you're going to have to pick him. And through a series of really interesting events, including Matt's house getting struck by lightning. Oh, yes. Not- I remember that. Yes. I, was like, I was like, really? Like, okay. It's for realsies. <laughs> But God brought Matt back into my life, this guy that I had already grown. He'd already been building this thing. He had paused our relationship, gutted my heart and said, you two, the mode I want you to do the mission to make disciples is together. He says, married people together, not married to just anyone, but, and, you know, and we, whatever, you know, we don't need to talk about the one, but I do believe God brought us together. And um, it... <laughs> It was so sweet and good. And there were some bumps. And then seven years in, do I have time to throw a little theology yes, in right now? Yes, do it, okay. girl. <laughs> okay. What kept, so that got us to year seven. And then that friendship, that sweetness, like I mentioned in the beginning, it just stopped. And then I recommitted to God and I asked the question, why male, female marriage, Jesus? Why I asked these marriage books, I asked the Bible and I landed on Ephesians 5 again. I'd heard it a trillion times. And it says, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and the two shall be united into one. This is a profound mystery. And I'm talking about Christ and the church. Now, how different are men from women? Very different, right? Yep. Therefore, the jokes, you know, yep. man caves and she sheds and lattes and scratching and farting, blah, 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 <laughs> right? <laughs> they're, they're, the fruit of that is the old ball and chain sort of conversation. Yes. Okay, so we can see marriage as a cosmic joke or cosmic punishment. But wait a minute, I'm talking about Christ in the church. So men and, di- men and women are very different. How different is God from humanity? Ephesians 1 says he is far above every ruler and power and authority, not only in this life, but the life to come. And in Isaiah 58, it says he lives in eternity. What does that even mean? (laughs) You guys, God is so different from us, and yet he will marry us. That's the whole story of the Bible from Genesis to Revelation that he is our, he's the bridegroom, and we're the bride. And so, Sex difference is not a cosmic joke or a cosmic punishment. It is divine design showing the world. If God calls you to marriage, Mm. then he has called you to show the world a 24-7 gospel picture about how Jesus, how much Jesus loves us. Mm. Wow. (laughs) And I'm taking notes. Okay. Hello, everyone. <laughs> I love this. Okay. Um, 
Man, Lori, this is so powerful. Thank you for just sharing your your journey and how you got here and how it's worked for you and Matt. And I'm just so inspired personally. I've learned so much by just diving into your story, by getting to know you in this conversation. And I think I'm just really grateful that you steward these conversations and that you've stepped into these waters in an area that's really difficult um, and nuanced. I'm hoping that this gives people in our community that are single at the moment that may be like with someone who is struggling or who has same sex attraction or may identify as gay or somebody in our community who's listening right now who is gay, that this would give them permission to have more space for what mm-hmm. is what is possible for them, you know, um, more space for how God loves them and to more space for our, the community and especially single Christians who are straight to approach this conversation and people who are gay with more love and grace and compassion <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and say, hey, yes. there's so much more possible for you and I'm sorry for treating you like you don't belong or treating you as though um, being single and straight is the only option as a Christian, yeah. you know, yeah. <laughs> or being married and straight is the only option as a Christian. So is there anything in the conversation today before we, I asked you our final question that every guest gets asked that you think we missed that you want to share with our single people? I just want to reemphasize just your equal value. I don't even need to say that. I'm just, I'm sorry for how married people Uh, take up too much of the spotlight and view single people not as equal iron sharpening iron in the church. We're wrong. We're wrong. And I'm really trying my best uh, to, to rectify that. And to LGBT people who are listening, who (laughs) feel seen by what I said or feel (laughs) offended by what I said, I just, um, I just pray um, that there are areas where we can, we can reach over and, and build bridges and maybe even link arms because it's the Holy Spirit that can link us together. Mm, yeah. Thank you so much, Lori. Girl, before we close out the conversation, I'm going to ask you the final question that everyone gets asked, which is just what is your final nugget of dating advice for the listeners today? <laughs> One of the ways that Matt and I connected, like I said, I do something dumb. I need to do something dimmer <laughs> is, um, is to break some social norms or rules together. Like have that fun. One of the ways we did that would <laughs> rollerblade through the grocery store. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Not often. And Matt like cringes now. He's such a ruler follower, but it just, there's something really fun and like kind of, it was like naughty in like a good way. Um, but that bonded us together. So I say just dating advice, just have really what it is, is have some fun together, but a creative way. It's just you could just be silly. Be a little silly in public. <laughs> in public specifically. Honestly, thank you for saying that because in Christian dating, we can become so weird and stale and we yes. forget to have fun. It's like this interview yes. process. And I'm like, hey, do you just like being around this person? Maybe yeah. you should like find that out because if you're going to be with them for the rest of your life, you need to like probably like them or else you're going to be really disappointed that you married them. <laughs> 
<laughs> yes, really like, and I'll tell you what, if God gives you kids, if he calls you in marriage, gives you kids, our kids die hearing what Matt and I did. They're like, <laughs> they love it. are you kidding? <laughs> yes. And me, I mean, you have to be connected on the friendship level and be silly. And that also yes. makes dating fun and how you can yes. build great memories. Therefore, when mm-hmm. you look back, you're not just like, oh, well, we just had all these conversations where I Mm-mm. deeply size them up for marriage. Like, no, Mm-mm. you want to look back and be like, oh, we created the, we, that one time we rode bikes and we're like in crazy outfits. Or that one time we did like, we had our, we did whatever it is, you know, like we did this crazy theme night. I did this date one time with a guy where we had to go to Walgreens and we picked out different accessories for one another and we had to wear it to dinner. And honestly, it was so fun and ridiculous. I love it. Please keep doing that. And then even if, if, you get married, you can go OG and you're like, let's just do that again. Yeah. It's worth it. <laughs> let's go it's back great. to it. I love it. Yep. Lori, if people want to connect to you, learn more about you, get your book or download that first chapter like you talked about earlier, um, how do they do those things? Yeah. Hit up lauriekrieg.com, L-A-U-R-I-E-K-R-I-E-G, all the I's and E's and it's I before E. Um, and you can find me on Instagram, Lori Creek, same spelling. I love it. Thanks, girl. This has been incredible. I'm so grateful for you today. (laughs) You're so welcome. Such a gift. Oh, my word. I love Lori. She's incredible. Her story is beautiful. She loves Jesus. And I just love seeing what God has done within her life and within her marriage. Oh, you guys, what an incredible season we've had so far on the Heart of Dating podcast, season seven. Man, it is only beginning. We have more episodes for you guys. We are going to be covering some more ground. We're going to be talking about what it looks like to date someone who is same-sex attracted or who was previously gay. We're also going to be entering into the trans conversation, which is very nuanced and really, frankly, is not covered enough. So we're going to speak with the incredible Preston Sprinkle about that and his new book that he came out with a few months ago. We're also going to have an amazing trans woman, Kat, come on the show as well to share her story. And I just can't wait for you guys to hear the rest of the season. So please stay tuned. If you like what you're hearing, please, please share with a friend. Encourage them to listen with an open mind and heart. And let's collectively change how we walk alongside the LGBTQ plus community. Love y'all. And I'll see you next week. This show is part of the Converge Podcast Network.